Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Hunting Public Podcast, powered by Dakota Lithium. In this episode, Greg and I are going to be talking about shot placement on whitetails when bow hunting. Over the years, getting more experience shooting deer ourselves, as well as watching a ton of footage frame by frame where we can study what the deer are doing at the sound of the shot, we've picked up on a lot of things that vary from situation to situation. It's important to try to find something to take away from every one of those situations. I wanted to remind you guys that we can help save you 10% off of all bear archery equipment if you use our code THP10. At THP, we all shoot bear archery. They have a broad price range, so even if this is your first year bow hunting and you just want to get an entry-level bow, they have one for you. Or if you want one of their higher-end flagship bows and you're an experienced archer, they also have one of those for you as well. Also, within the last couple years, censorship on social media has gotten pretty out of control, and that's why we've partnered with Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild's a free social community where your photos are not censored. Instead, they're encouraged. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit downloadgowild.com to get started. All right, let's talk shot placement on whitetails. Greg and I have been talking about doing this podcast since, uh, I believe it was the day after I hurt my knee. I remember riding in the car in South Dakota and we were talking with Jake about shot placement and all the things that we've learned. So that's what we're going to do today. I do remember that. And how's the knee doing? It's doing pretty good, man. Like yesterday and today have been my best days for sure. I think today, oh, yeah, today I went for a little walk. I have the, like the go ahead to do flat ground walking less than a mile so i've been making a little loop outside in the park that's across the street and today was just a really nice day too so that maybe had a little mm. bit of my mood up but um yeah it's doing good I, I really feel more confident now about just getting out and doing something before spring's over and definitely feeling better about fall it may not be nice. you know necessarily 100 percent, but i'm i mean i'm walking already so awesome you know, feeling That's good. good to hear yeah also can bike now stationary bike no resistance okay. but still pretty yeah. nice to do something there you yeah. go so you're talking like actually getting out during turkey season to hunt or is that a little too much right now no i think oh, so yeah, I get i think so nice yeah nice. i think yeah. as long as they give me the go ahead to do some hills i also have to be realistic with my expectations it's going to be probably pretty easy going trying to take advantage of you know easy situations but i figure i'll hunt here in colorado some and then potentially late season like uh, wisconsin or minnesota or something yeah flat ground we'll see so i guess i have a bunch of talking points here. There's going to be a lot of things in this podcast that are kind of, I guess, beginner knowledge, but we're going to try to talk about a whole bunch of different stuff. So hopefully we kind of can cover and and at least cover the things that we've learned over the years. You know, you you mentioned that we talk about shot placement a lot and that it is the culmination of the hunt, like all the preparation, all the scouting, everything that goes into it, like that is, you know, the culmination of it. So it's, it's an important part of it. And then you're talking about taking animals life. So it's, it should be talked about a lot, like sharing experiences, um, understanding, uh, deer anatomy, you know, that was drilled into me early on in my hunting career, going through bow hunter education. You spend a lot of time talking about animal anatomy, shot placement, taking high percentage shots that you, you know, you can make. So that's, you know, that's a big part of the hunt. So that's, you know, that's from, I'm excited to talk about that today and what, you know, we've learned and sharing our experiences. Yeah, there's a lot that I've learned from being with you guys and watching footage and all that stuff. And I feel like that gives us a little bit of a unique advantage to talk about this stuff, too. I mean, we get to watch so many examples. And over the years, not just our examples, but, you know, pro staff when we worked at Midwest Whitetail and we were getting footage sent to the office there. I think that just really helps everybody learn. And I guess to start, what are, what are those vital organs that you want to hit? 
a lot of times you hear about double lung, heart, mm -hmm. but there's even more to that. And I feel, I guess to start, we should just talk about where those are located and how, I guess, to put your arrow through that spot. You know, what people say most of the time is, you know, shooting a deer behind the shoulder, but you know, that, that would set you up for a double lung hit, you know, a center mass hit. But I think what we've learned over the years is that, um, and still that's, you know, a double lung hit is a great shot on a, on an animal. It's going to put it down quickly, but you can, what I prefer to do is aim tighter to the shoulder where now you get into the heart and the major vessels coming off of the heart. And that, that leads to extremely rapid kills and, uh, the, the best blood trails, especially when you hit a major vessel, you know, that, that's under a high amount of pressure, you're going to get blood spraying and, uh, you know, just the best possible blood trail. So, you know, when I started out, I guess I'll step back a little bit. When I started out, uh, bow hunting, you know, my, you know, my thought process was shooting the deer behind the shoulder for a, a double lung shot. And I was actually going through uh, some of my old pictures here. I've just found a photo album the other day and, uh, see if I can, hold a few of them up here but anyways you know there's one thing that i i kept noticing about uh about all the you know the shots on these deer is that they were you know is behind the shoulder and high high of center like it seemed like almost all the deer that i was shooting early on it was shooting you know high in the chest cavity and most of them almost all of them are shot from a tree stand so you, you know on some of them you wanted to be higher of center but uh my, my thought process and my aim point was behind the shoulder, center mass for a double lung shot. And I found over time that, you know, I, I hit a lot of deer, high lungs, you know, I, I was getting them obviously, but I was also missing some deer and the, you know, the handful of deer that I hit and didn't recover tended to be high hits, you know, up, up above the, you know, in the spine or high shoulder. So that, and I think that's one thing that we've talked about before is just that, you know, that, that was kind of my you know, mental process to begin with. And I've learned over the years to lower my aim point. And I think we're going to get into that, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to anatomy, you know, center mass is kind of you know, behind the shoulder is where you're going to get a double lung hit. But, you know, forward to that in the, what is called the, you know, the, the vital V or the pocket, that's when you get into the, you know, the top of the heart and the major vessels coming off of the heart. And that's kind of, that's the, that's the money spot right there. And that's, that's where I'm trying to hit a deer. One difference that you and I have in our bow hunting careers is you had a lot of cool opportunities to go places where you were able to shoot a lot of deer. Right. And when I was younger, there was a little bit of a combination that created the situation that I had as a bow hunter. One was I was following my dad and his buddies and the guys that I was looking up to as bow hunters and they were all, you know, waiting for a certain size buck. And I got in my head that that's what I needed to do. My grandpa also told me to not shoot does because he wanted to see more deer on the property. And mm -hmm. because of that, I just had a long period there where I wasn't shooting enough deer. And right. I guess I wanted to mention the importance of getting experience, all these things that we talk about, you're going to make mistakes at some point. You don't want to, but the best way to learn is to get experience shooting deer. And if you incorporate all these things that we're talking about and try to take away, you know, what we've learned from our experiences and you apply that to your experiences and then you proceed to shoot with many deer, not just specifically waiting for one opportunity mm -hmm. of one buck every year. I think that's going to make a big difference because I just think a lot of young hunters or hunters that start and their peers are waiting for, you know, a certain size buck or one buck. You just kind of easily get stuck in a habit of not shooting a lot and therefore you don't get a ton of experience doing it. So, yeah, um, I think that's important. For sure. I mean, going back to the anatomy of a deer, I mean, there's a lot of good resources out there that show, you know, um, deer's vital organs, uh, bone structure, vessels, and all that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of resources out there on that, but you know, one thing that I, like I've mentioned that, that I've learned over the years, is just gravitating towards shooting a little bit lower and shooting a little bit farther forward than a lot of, a lot of people talk about like shooting behind the shoulder. And that's where we found there to be the, the most lethal shot, 
is when you can get yeah. into the heart and the major vessels coming off of the heart. Yeah. And when I was younger too, I think a trap that I kind of fell into that we talk about all the time is the bad influence that a 3d target can have on an inexperienced shooter. I was pulling oh, yeah. up before this, a whole bunch of photos of 3d targets and it's amazing to see how much they vary. I mean, you got good examples where there's, you know, outlines of heart lungs from, from a broadside shot standpoint, at least they kind of put that into perspective of where those things are located and where you really should be aiming when aiming for a heart shot. But think about 12, 13 year old Zach out there shooting a 3d target and hitting the bullseye. You know, you think bullseye and you translate that mm -hmm. to a hit on a deer. It's like heart shot. Well, it's like in reality, <laughs> where the ten ring is is not even close to where the heart is for one and two. Right. It also creates that center mass shooting habit that exactly. I think a lot of young bow hunters. I mean, even even more experienced bow hunters. It's still my number one mistake. I did it in late October this year. It's just easy yep. to get on the center of an animal and pull the trigger. Yep. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, I mean, you look at some of the old, you know, Delta targets, McKenzie and stuff like that. I grew up doing a lot of 3D shoots. And yeah, ex you're exactly right. The 10 ring was a basically center mass in the chest cavity. Nowadays, my 3D targets, almost all of the shots, like the, the concentration of shots are basically like eight, you know, eights instead of tens because mm -hmm. I'm shooting lower and farther forward as I would in a bow hunting situation. Let's just cover some of the factors that pop into your mind when shooting at deer because every situation is different and I hope to cover as many situations as possible in this episode but I really think to start just kind of listing off some of the things that you're factoring in before you make the shot. Some of the biggest factors are going to be distance. I mean I, I tend to take closer shots at deer, high percentage shots I know I can make. I mean that that would probably be a kind of a mantra that uh, that I keep coming back to when you're talking about shooting at game animals is high percentage shots I know I can make. So distance is a big one. You know, for whitetails, ideally 30 yards and in. I think the longest shots I've ever taken there is 40 yards. Most everything is is 15 to 25 typically. So distance is a big one of position of the animal. Um, I'm looking for broadside, ideally quartering away or ever so slightly quartering to our, our shots that, that I will take. Um, I've never gotten in the habit of taking, or I guess I haven't taken advantage of opportunities where I could have shot a deer severely quartering towards where I know I'm going to have to go through bone or taking a frontal shot. Um, yeah. So in 25 plus years, I've, I've only taken broadside quartering away or slightly quartering to. So that's, that's a big thing I'm looking for is, uh, is position of the animal and then body language, reading body language is another big one. Anticipating, especially when you get into distances beyond 15 yards, really out to 20, 20 plus. Now you're having to factor in how far is that animal, that deer in particular, how far is a deer going to drop in response to the sound of the bow going off? Mm -hmm. That, that is a challenging one. That, that is you know, for years now, people have, have written about and done videos about as we're doing right now, you know, talking about the reaction of a deer to the sound of the shot. So I, I think what has made the most sense for me now and given me the most confidence is always aiming for the lower third of the deer, aiming for a heart shot, knowing that if the deer does drop, you still have room to work with. And we've got some good examples of that we can show here. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, let me add a couple to that, yep. Greg, just because I was thinking about over the years of long list of situations and a couple other things that pop into my mind would be if you are factoring in like the deer's alertness, also mm -hmm. factoring in like what he can hear. So uh, one specific example that comes to mind where Aaron told me, later that he wished he would have done something different as he had a longer opportunity in Wyoming one year and the deer yeah. were standing right next to a rushing river that was making it. Yep. yep. And it was really interesting once he said that, and I've been thinking about that a ton, how much sound or even other deer, just the situation can affect that deer's, you know, 
sense of alertness or sense of, you know, urgency to get out of there, which may make him drop the shot. And I think it's, it's definitely apparent when you watch bucks that are preoccupied with like does, for example, they have a tendency to drop less than the buck that Mm -hmm. is on his own cruising, for example. Um, and again, having other factors involved like water sounds, wind, wind um, noise. Yep. Yeah. All those things can play into that. And then, um, the other thing too, that I think plays into some, uh, shot choices is what your bow setup is. For example, um, my girlfriend, Whitney has a bow now, and if she shoots, at the same distance as I shoot with a two totally different bow setups, arrow speed and all that's going to be much different. So that plays a factor in some decision-making as well as what your equipment is as far as arrow and broadhead. Those are a couple additional things, but I would agree that number one thing, distance and, you know, body language of the deer. Yeah. Maybe another one is, is, a you know, hopefully being conscious of, of where you're at mentally you know, if you're, if you're shaking yeah. and can't, can't, can't get the pin on target for whatever reason, you know, having the discipline to not force a shot is a, is another one, or maybe, I mean, you can, you can go down a long list of situations you can find yourself in, whether you're, maybe your bow is tangled up in a branch or something there. I mean, there's so many things that can influence or should influence your decision yeah. to shoot. And if you can't get settled in and your pin is floating all over the place and you just panic to let go because you just, you want to get the deer, you just hoping to hit them somewhere. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we've all been there where maybe we've taken a shot that we wish we wouldn't have and had the discipline just let down and, and let the deer go. So there's, yeah, there's so many factors yeah. that could influence. Yeah, next, next, I have on my things to talk about is specifically settling the pin. But first, show, show yep. us the clips that you have um, lined up here. Okay, so the first one, uh, first one we'll show here is just you know, I, I kind of showed some of the, the pictures here of where I tended to hit deer, you know, a little high of center behind the shoulder, you know, high lung shots is kind of how I started off. First one will show here is just, you know, in the past few years, I've tried to make a conscious effort to shoot, you know, to aim lower for a heart shot and to aim a little bit farther forward to get a, you know, a vital V shot, essentially, to, to get the most lethal shot. This one here, this is uh, South Dakota buck, and this was slightly quartering too. But as you can see, tight to the shoulder, it was right in that vital V. And in less than 10 seconds, the deer is down. <laughs> and that that's crazy, too, because before we had video to show the result of all these shots, I bet you if you'd have showed that to me when I was 14, 15, I'd have been like, too low. That's too low. Yeah. Yeah, And there, there is a fine line there, but because it's forward and low and it's inside of that vital V, you know, if you're able to look at a lot of these examples that are online of deer vitals, you can see where that heart sits and it mm-hmm. actually allows you to hit really low Yep. if you're forward enough, because if you're too far yes. back, then That's problems a bad happen place to be. there. Right, yep. right. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Now, granted, again, that deer was slightly quartering towards, so I needed to be forward. But you know, when the deer is on the ground, the shot actually looks higher up than what it did there in the footage. But I mean, it just dead centered his heart. And as you can see there, I, I condensed that footage a little bit. But basically, in about 12 seconds, he was already tipping over. It severed, cut the heart, severed a major vessel, and it was just, you know, it's as quick and as humane of a kill as you can get. So that's what I'm going for right there. Actually, I don't know if you remember the footage or not, but Ben shot a buck at my grandpa's probably, oh, now, it would have been 2015. It was when I was an intern at Midwest Whitetail, and he shot that buck in the same exact spot, and he was shooting a lighter arrow with a uh, rocket broadhead on it with an expandable, and it just punched in there and stuck basically right back out. But it hit him, just punched right in there and hit him in the heart. And it's another one of those examples where wow. up to that point, we hadn't had a lot of experience with that. So he self-filmed that hunt. And when he watched the footage back, he was like, Ugh, you know, not good. While the buck died in 50 yards, you know, yeah. basically ran off the hill and just immediately was down. 
and he heard it crash, but he didn't really believe it in the moment. And it's, it's just interesting, again, as you watch more and more of these examples and you get more experience, your friends get more experience, and you talk about these things, it is crazy how important it is to be forward and lower than what you think. Yeah, you can hit a deer surprisingly low as long as yeah. it's forward and still hit the heart and get quick, clean kills. And then again, like we had talked about it, just, you know, that that's becoming my aim point. So that way, if, and when a deer does duck, you have more room for error there. Yeah. And for me, what's been really helpful is settling the pin and just taking an extra second. And I have like a mental mm -hmm. checklist almost where I start saying the same thing over in my head over and over again i say settle the pin aim low settle the pin aim low yep. because if i do that yep. all the way up to that final moment i can control my breathing you know my heart rate's going to be up yeah. but if i can control my breathing and say those words over and over again then i'm going to make sure that i do that you know whatever works for you i i think everybody's going to be a little bit different but i literally have to say to myself over and over again yeah and i just think that since I've started doing that, it's been really helpful. And times that I mess it up, I usually am not saying it to myself or something's getting in my head and I make a little subtle mistake. And it's really easy to watch any hunting media and just see example after, ex of, after example of just perfect shots. You know, you hear the diaphragm pop, the animal mm -hmm. runs off, goes down, there's a great, great blood trail. But if you don't settle that pin you have a pin that's floating, you know, over the vitals and you just pull it. It's so easy, especially with a moving animal, uh, deer that's likely going to drop. It's so easy for things to just get messed up. If you're not really aiming small too, along those lines, the smaller yep. of a spot that you're focusing on. And I guess that's what I'm doing when I'm saying settle the pin aim low is pick that super small spot, like the size of my fist or smaller and put it right on that when i do mm -hmm. that it always works out fine but when yeah. i don't then it's like you, you kind of know that feeling of like who i rushed it so i think settling yep. the pin and finding a mental checklist is really important yeah I, I think you know if a person does research they'll find like all the the top end shooters whether it be snipers um archers and stuff like that they have some kind of mental checklist or some kind of you know, something that they say over and over to calm themselves and to relax and to, you know, to squeeze off, a, to execute a good shot. But I guess that that'll lead in uh, to uh, the next example we'll show here. We talk about yeah. this shot coming up. This is this year, right? Or this past yep. season, I guess. Yep. You've also called to this buck, right? He's coming in right. kind of on, on edge yep. already looking. Yeah, so this will give us a lot to talk about on this one. Got it. <laughs> that that deer, like you said, it would just call to. So th this is going to you know go through you know kind of a checklist of of what we had talked about. Uh, distance wise, I'd already ranged uh, a rock. So I knew where 20 yards was and that deer was just barely on the other, other side of it. So like 22 yards. So distance wise, I knew right where he was at. Um, as he was coming in, you know, I had just called to him. I had rattled. He's coming in looking for the source of a sound. In this situation, I didn't have a decoy out. So there was nothing really to take his attention off of me. Like he was still on full alert looking for you know the fight that he had just heard. So when he stops, he's looking for the source of a sound. He doesn't he doesn't know I'm there specifically, but he's, he's looking for something. He's on alert, ears up, head up. I'm, I'm, you have, have kind of read that body language. And in this case, I'm actually, I'm taking longer to aim. It was, it was honestly one of the best shots I felt that I've executed because I was, I was actually waiting for him to step a little bit farther forward in the frame to get a little bit better footage. So as, as I'm waiting for him, I'm, you know, I'm taking my time aiming, and then I realize, you know, he, he may not step forward. Like this is going to be my opportunity here. So I'm, I'm taking my time and aiming and knowing, okay, he's 22, but he's going to duck. He's actually, he's turned his head and is looking in my direction now. So I know he's probably going to drop, you know, at least four to six inches. Mm -hmm. So, and I have, and I, you know, I can see it in my mind's eye, you know, exactly where that 20 yard pin was. 
when I let go and it was straight up in line with his leg. But I mean, just about on his body line. I mean, that's exactly where yeah. it was when I let, when I let go, I mean, just above the body line. And, uh, and then you could see the result of the shot. Yeah. Was it, he, he ducked, dropped into it and you can kind of see the, you know, the outline of his shoulder there. I mean, it hit him perfectly <laughs> right in the heart and actually sliced the major vessel coming off of the heart. Yeah, that's perfect. And I think that's a perfect example of aiming forward and low, right? And I think that going back to how we learn how to shoot by shooting 3D targets and thinking of that double lung hit, we're taught a lot more to shoot more center. I think a lot of times that's why, you know, the the when in doubt back out saying kind of comes about. It's just like, well, you hit him center mass kind of mid-body, you're going to get him. That's true. But mm-hmm. like you said at the very beginning, we're shooting a live animal. We want this to happen right now. I don't want it to happen yep. six hours from now. I've had that happen, and it sucks. Because yep. afterwards, you don't even really feel the same as you do as if you just make a perfectly ethical shot. The same yep. celebration isn't there. There's just right. a sadness involved with it. So I think what we've learned with making shots that are more forward, you're hitting more of that major arteries and vessels that are going to the heart even if you just hit lungs and you hit above the heart you're still cutting that stuff off and the lungs are filling up faster everything's so much quicker Mm -hmm. and you know by settling the pin in that situation you knew that there's probably i mean pretty much worst case scenario in that situation in my eyes is you pull it he's a little bit further than you thought and you shoot right under him i mean I guess other worst case scenario would be you hit him in the leg, but even then it's like, yeah, that, that would be, I guess, worse. But most of the time, if you miss him, you're just going to miss him low in those situations. And I think something that I have listed that I definitely want to note, one easy way to think about it is, have you ever seen a deer go up when you shoot it? It's like probably not many times does a deer jump or, you know, go no. up. I don't know that I've ever seen it. When they turn to run, and I, I guess also for clarification, I don't think there's anything as such as jumping the string. They're not jumping. They're just turning to run. Therefore, when they load, naturally their body moves down. So does ours, right? If you're standing here in a straight upright position, you go to run, that's what your body does. It bends over. So the same thing with the deer. So most of the time, they're not going up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was... There was a, a lot to learn off of that one, you know, personally that I took away from it is just one thing was that, uh, you know, just taking my time aiming. I think a lot of times you a person has more time to aim and execute the shot than what you think. Mm-hmm. Now, some some situations, you, you know, it's got to be fast for whatever reason. But more often than not, I think a person has a couple extra seconds to aim. That's and a good uh, point. And one thing I've noticed, and again, the advantage of filming hunts is that going back and looking at second angle footage, uh, you know, there's been some shots where I felt like, yeah, I was, I held on him for several seconds and I go back and look and it was almost instantaneous. Like it was a really quick shot. He still got the animal, but in, in fact, you know, example, that would be the deer, the deer that I shot early in September last year. It was, he kind of ran past me. He was coming in slow and all of a sudden he took off and, and ran in front of me, he was, I got him stopped at 15 yards quartering way, but I go back and look at the second angle footage and I did not take time to settle in like I did on this deer. Now, granted, I still, mm-hmm. you know, made a pretty good shot. It was, you know, high of center, high lungs, and it was a quick, clean kill. But, uh, you know, I go back and look at it after the fact and it was a, a quickly executed shot. So I think if a person can get themselves to slow down a little bit and make sure they're settling the pin in, you're going to make a lot better shots more consistently and, and hopefully avoid the heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. That is something that there's one hunt in particular that I kind of remember having a similar light bulb moment to. It was that one in New York. Um, I don't know if those listening remember all the details, but it it was kind of hard to tell because Dylan was filming from a different angle, but the buck basically spooked from a doe. He spooked because a vehicle was going down the road and making noise. Well, he ended up bounding right on top of me, like inside of 20 yards. And luckily I read that 
he was doing that and I just tucked into some shadow, but he nailed me. He knew something was there and he was super high alert, like as high of alert as they get. I was honestly surprised he didn't mm-hmm. bust out of there. And he eventually started to work back, I guess, into the d- direction of downwind. I don't know if he was going to circle me or circle his doe, but either way, he was going with the wind at his butt. And as he did that, he started to kind of give me windows, whether that was because he was checking the doe because he was doing that, or he was just getting buried into the grass. And finally, I got a chance to draw, and he turned and looked the other way. And that was one of those moments where it was like, the only way I'm going to get a shot is I'm going to stand all the way up. And I mean, Mm -hmm. had he just turned his head back, he would have nailed me in an instant. But I remember thinking, you know, you got to settle this pin. And here, here I am. It it was like a guy standing on concrete in the wide open is truly what it was like. (laughs) But, but he was looking the other way, reading the deer's body language. I knew that as long as I put it low and I pull the trigger, you know, and just follow through my shot, make sure everything's perfect. I should be okay. In the moment, that's super hard to do, but it was one of those deals where it's like, do or die, right? If I don't do this, I'm definitely not going to get him. Yeah. And because of that, I ended up making a, a really good shot. I mean, that was that one, yeah, didn't last long at all. And I think yeah, that was a big light bulb one for me too, where it's like, hey, you know, you got to settle that pin, baby. When you do, Slow. good things happen. Yep. Exactly. Slow it down slow it down actually we uh, I, I made a specific clip of the second angle camera on that the uh, the buck that i held on let's see if i can add it in here uh let's see is that the right one looks like it is no, uh yeah got it so that's the same same buck that we just saw a couple minutes ago but it just showed the second angle footage and you know how you know, I was talking about how long I was aiming at the deer. Uh, so that, again, that talk about using cameras, like you don't have to have like a big main camera. Like if you just have a GoPro or your phone or whatever, something to put up in the tree to, to see yourself, you know, ideally hopefully see the animal and you see the impact, you know, hear the sound of the shot. It can give you some cues on, on following up on the animal, but also just on your behavior when you shoot. Because it, you know, adrenaline can do some funny things to you. You know, guys talk about, you know, basically you know, almost blacking out, like not remembering what they did when they when they shot. And I <laughs> I found that to be helpful. It's basically a kind of constructive criticism or constructive feedback on yourself to see what you're doing when you shoot. And I've had a couple, like I'd mentioned earlier, where you know I, I executed the shot and I I felt thinking back on it, it was like, yeah, I, I held long enough and you know settled in. But then you look at the second angle, it's like yeah, that was kind of on the side of rushing the shot. So that can help to let you know, you know, how you're performing essentially. And, and like, basically like I'm, you know, trying to tell myself and teach myself to slow it down when I'm aiming and make, you know, it's like you say, settle the pin, execute a good shot. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we get worked up too in the heat of the moment, not only because, you know, internally we're going nuts, but also we see the deer, you know, snaps his head and is looking in the direction yep. of you. And automatically it's like rush mode. Uh-oh. That's a big, yeah. big issue that I see. Everybody does it every once in a while. And I certainly am not immune to it. I mean, I, again, I just did it in the Minnesota hunt this yep. past season. I actually can show that real quick too. I guess I'll give a couple side notes in this as well. We were sitting there and at very first light, we heard this deer moving and couldn't tell much about him, I guess, or much about what was going on, but the way he was acting, it was like, that's gotta be a buck. So I drew really early because I had a super small window to shoot through. As you can tell, those alder Mm -hmm. bushes right there are close. Those are 20 yards. So if he comes in between those and us, he's gonna be right on top of us. At this point then where I say it's a big buck, I've condensed this footage for the, to make the video go faster, but I held that draw yeah. much longer than what I should have. In hindsight, yep. that's one yep. thing I would change for sure. And then what that ends up happening is, is when he steps out with the low light, he's way lower in the grass than I thought he would be. Like right here, I can see him, but you can't. Uh. Didn't sound good, did it? <laughs> Didn't sound good, did it? <laughs> 
not what you want <laughs> what nope. you want to be here and so on that one there's a couple things that stick out to me one holding the draw for too long there's a lot of situations yep. where when i'm ground hunting i do like to draw early and often but mm-hmm. that situation mm-hmm. i just held it for too long and then also once he stepped out, like I said, with the lower light and not having seen a deer in that exact position yet, mm-hmm. all of a sudden he steps out and he's, it, it was weird because he was bigger than I thought he would look like, not from the yeah. antler standpoint, but like his right. actual scale was like, whoa, he's right there. And his, it's so easy. You know, like yep. all I got to do is get it on him. I think is what right. was almost going through my head. And then the other factor that I think I messed up and I never really had happened before was I had this grass that was close to me and I didn't remember it until it was actually the next day that we hunted. So like two days later, cause we spent the whole next day looking for him. Two days later, I was drawn in a similar lighting situation, low mm-hmm. to the ground. And I had this flashback and what it was, was that grass close to my sight picture you know closer to me than the buck wasn't an issue for my arrow to go through but because that was there my mind got distracted and i did not settle the pin and aim low i think i just got on him center mass and pulled the trigger well i had also stopped him and he whips his head right to us and looks all those things play into a deer that's going to drop and i mean had i just shot that much lower i think it would have been totally fine but that just goes to show how important it is to aim low i think that buck was like definitely 18 no further than 18 yards i mean that wow. is not a far shot yeah. but in that moment i let too many factors get in my head and i didn't just settle the pin where like the New York example, on the other hand, that's a totally different deal. There was a lot of stuff in between me and that buck, but I settled my pin and focused on that shot. This mm-hmm. kind of a similar situation. I just didn't focus and settle the pin. So yep. I think that's a good example of just how you can do it right a bunch of times in a row and then turn around and still do it wrong. I mean, it's just absolutely a, a thing that can continue to haunt and it's a bad habit that I personally have. I've talked about it in videos before. Like when I was younger, I've never hit a deer back. Like I've never just hit one in the guts. Mm-hmm. I've always hit them too high if the, if I've lost one. You know, right. It's always right. been too high. So I was just going to say it's amazing how many factors can add up or how quickly things can change in a matter of seconds. You know, you're talking about, especially the, the grasping between you and your sight picture and, and messing with messing with you mentally like I, i'm just i can envision that as you're describing it and like i can see how that would affect affect your shot process essentially like things start to mess with your head and you're not thinking about settling the pin you're thinking about whoa you know what is this you know this grass in, me, in my sight picture and yeah that's and that's where practice comes in you know mm-hmm. you know granted a person only has so much time to practice so many different scenarios but i mean that's what i did as, as a kid all the time is i'd take targets mm-hmm. out in the woods and get in all kinds of funky scenarios and um something i should do more of yeah i think that's an important thing i have listed in general like practicing realistic hunting situations me and my dad and my buddy we we do a fair amount of 3d shooting but we never shoot keeping score we just try to see who has the better you know kill shot Mm -hmm. and a lot of these shots aren't necessarily realistic i mean there's some that are super far or whatever but what i try to do with my personal positioning is as realistic as i can make it for my style so i almost never shoot standing up just straight like right flat you know I guess, perfect body form. Mm -hmm. I almost always get down on my knees and shoot from my knees. Even if they're all standing up, Hey, I'll let them do that. That's maybe more their style. My style is I shoot almost exclusively from my (laughs) knees. So I should practice that way. Yeah. When's the last time you shot a deer standing straight up? The, the, the one in New York, York. New York. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I I think that's the last time. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just interesting how much you can learn by, doing that and okay for example something that's way different and may be easily overlooked is and and you've probably noticed this through practice as well is 
If you're on your knees and your butt is on your heels, it's way easier to make the shot than if you got to sit up and you're just yep. balancing on your kneecaps. Mm-hmm. So practicing both of those and getting a feel for how much it can change, oh, yeah. you know, you're going to be able to put yourself in more – you're going to be able to set an expectation that is more realistic for the opportunity because, for example, you may be like, oh, I'm, I'm no, no doubt I'm effective out to 45 yards. Well, all of a sudden, you know, you shoot like in a crouching position at 28. Oh, yeah. Son, you might rethink that, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could, I mean, you could get out to 100 yards at the 3D range you know, 80 to hundred yards, you know, a lot of people talk about their proficiency at long distances, but yeah, you get into those real life situations. It, it, it all goes out the window. Yeah. And a couple other things that I've started doing, you have to be willing to take the risk, I suppose, to do this type of stuff. But once I get in the, in the close range stuff at the 3d range, a lot of the stuff that we shoot has a lot of oak brush uh, mm-hmm. around it. So what I'll do is just see how small of a hole I really can get that arrow through because in your mind you think, oh, you know, I could definitely get it through there. Well, one time you may, one time you may not. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's too much detail to dive into what you can and can't get away with. But yeah. if you practice those things, you're going to know, especially at a close range type of deal. Like I'm not trying to do that at 32 yards, but right. at like not nine yards, I want to know how much stuff I, or, you know, how small mm-hmm. of a spot I can get that arrow through because there's going to be situations like that. And I think... All those things are just, you know, only going to help you, only going to help your realistic yeah. expectation for the situation. Yeah, for sure. The other th- final thing on that note, I guess, that I think is important too is just seeing what your arrow can get through. You know, there is a certain level of stuff that you can't get through, but it's also nice to know, you know, what affects your arrow flight and what doesn't there's still a fine line there in the heat of the moment. I'm not saying I'm plowing through, you know, 20 yards of brush, but at the same time, there have been bucks that had I not shot through some stuff and had confidence in that Mm -hmm. two of which would be New York and the North Dakota. Yeah. That North Dakota buck, same deal. I just put it on the brush below him, but I knew that my arrow could get through that at that distance. Right. All those things are subtle little details and, you know, definitely with all these things being said too, I don't, I'm not telling people just go out and shoot through brush. I'm absolutely saying the opposite. Make sure you practice those things if you're going to do it, because if you don't, you might just get unethical really quickly. Yeah. The one thing that helped me when I was younger is visualizing the exit. And that's a pretty common thing in a, a lot of bow hunting education or hunter education Mm -hmm. is visualize the exit of the shot. So if you're dealing with like a quarter away shot, your angle and where you want the entrance of the shot to go is going to change a lot versus a, um, broad straight broadside. Right. Same thing with a quarter two shot. Like Aaron has some really good examples of the quarter two shot, just pushing it a little bit tighter yet into that vital V and just yep. stuffing it down in there. And uh, I think that visualizing that exit has been super helpful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and understanding the deer's anatomy is, is a huge part of that, of knowing, you know, exactly where to hit the deer based on, you know, the degree of quartering away or quartering too. Like in Aaron's case, uh, he's, you know, we're starting to get actually quite a few examples of those because he shoot, you know, he shoots or typically shoots 80 pounds. He's got a long draw length, heavy arrow rock solid broadhead. So in the past several years, he's taken a number of, of deer quartering too. And, uh, it was kind of comical. I was just saw a video clip uh, the other day, somebody talking about shot placement and they, they said there is no, maybe on Southern deer, like smaller Southern deer, but he's like on a big Midwest buck. There's no bow set. There's no broadhead set up. That's getting through the shoulder of a deer. I was like, well, that's 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 patently false i mean that's not the case there's 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 a lot of setups that can get through the shoulder of a deer and you know we've seen that happen we've got examples of that not that you know you're you're trying to hit them dead center you know the heaviest part of the the bone there but uh but anyways i think that that brings up a little bit of a different subject too and that's something that i feel like has changed for me over the years has been my opinion on 
quarter two and mm-hmm. frontal shots. And a lot of this goes just with the fact that I ground hunt. Because if I was in a tree stand, I think especially the frontal shot changes for me a lot. Yeah. It has to almost be the perfect situation, a lower setup. I'm not even really going to get into that. There's yep. certain situations maybe where I would feel comfortable doing it. But for the most part, when I get into a tree, too many things change about the angle. So in ground hunting situations, there's been a couple things that have been obvious that are going to continue to happen. One is super close range stuff. I mean, we've yep. all had in the last... I guess since we started THP, really good examples of deer being super, super close inside of 15 yards, inside of Mm -hmm. 10 yards. And we've shot a fair number of deer super close like that. Um, The other thing is, is especially as the season progresses, we've called a lot of deer in on the ground. Mm -hmm. And when they do that, they end up coming in quarter two or head on a lot. And kind of the nice part about that is, again, a lot of times you're getting them close. So I think that's the number one thing for me. And I think this all plays into everybody's personal, like, um, you have to be realistic with your expectation, know your setup, know your, uh, abilities to make a good shot and then probably subtract some to that distance, right? Like yeah. <laughs> you may think your effective distance for a certain shot is 25 yards or 23 yards, but probably bring that in even more so for me i like Mm -hmm. a a quarter two or frontal shot inside of 15 yards or i know i can just make that make that shot and um i think there's been a couple things that have stuck out to me with that that i guess i didn't really know when i was younger one is is how much i guess uh blood vessel artery stuff really comes together right there and in the shots that i have had that are frontal um, it's been pretty crazy. I mean, the elk that I just shot this past season, the arrow went straight in between the shoulders mm-hmm. and was just straight into <laughs> his body cavity. And he, I mean, yeah. he made it like seriously only like 50, 60 yards, which was nuts. The first elk that I shot actually ducked and hit higher than what mm-hmm. I wanted, but mm-hmm. it still hit those arteries and he was, was toast. Do what, what you feel confident. If you don't feel confident in it and you can't be realistic with knowing the anatomy what your abilities are you know being true to your distance cut off for some mm-hmm. of these shots because if you go frontal or quartering two there's other things that become a risk one on a quartering two that i always think of is leg positioning yeah. you know if his leg is back and he's exposing his chest to where you can get that arrow in there that's different than if his leg is blocking off, you know, those vital organs. Right. Yeah. A lot of that comes back to, you know, what I said, my mantra was, is taking high percentage shots. I know I can make. Mm-hmm. And although I've never taken a frontal shot, there may be a situation sometime where I do take it, but it's gotta be a mm-hmm. shot. I know I can make. So you're talking close distance. Um, yeah. And knowing the deer's anatomy, which I, I feel confident that I, I know a deer's anatomy based on its position. So I'm, yeah, like I said, I've never taken that shot, but there may be situations where I know I can make it where I would. One thing that I learned, um, from making a frontal shot on two different elk, understanding the body language of the animal, how important that is in that moment. And actually, ironically, I'm sitting here, I got my, my picture boards and I have a screenshot of that arrow on that first one midway there. And as a reminder to not take that shot again because that distance was too far for that situation and the way that he looked at us. So if you watch that footage, when he comes in, he's looking right at Ben and I, where the one that I shot this past season, he comes in and he's looking for Collins raking. And with more experience several years later, I was able to recognize that and factor that into my shot decision. You know, I didn't aim any differently i just put it right on the spot that i wanted to hit at that distance because i could read his body language now as you know a younger elk hunter definitely definitely feeling the the adrenaline more even more on that first one i didn't recognize that in that moment and i thought well my pin is settled and everything's good my checklist of 
things are good, but I didn't factor in the animal moving. So mm-hmm. there's all kinds of things that come into play, but when in doubt, just don't shoot. You know, like, like Greg yep. says, if you don't have high odds that you know you can make that shot, just don't shoot. There's no, there's no harm in that. You know, you'll get to play again tomorrow, but if you make a bad shot, you're going to beat yourself up and, yep. you know, potentially lose a deer and not be able to play again tomorrow. And I think that yeah. is a big part of it. Yeah. That's not a good place to be not, you know, for the, for the animal, obviously showing respect to the animal and then, and then yourself as well. I don't, I've never regretted holding off on a shot that I wasn't confident in. Nope. Nope. But I sure as heck have regretted (laughs) some that I've taken. Yeah. I hate to say it. Yeah. Yeah. I think if anybody's being honest with themselves, they've, you know, probably taken, if they've hunted long enough, they may have taken a shot that they've looked back and regretted. And, um, you know, the best thing to do is, is learn from it, obviously. Mm Mm-hmm and uh and have you know try to discipline yourself going forward and i couldn't agree more with taking opportunities to shoot deer to get gain experience and confidence like that south dakota buck i showed like that's a that's a young deer like there was bigger deer that i could be hunting on that property but i had a limited amount of time to hunt like here he is and just that just that shot has given me a lot more confidence the fact that i could discipline myself to aim longer you know read the situation right held low like almost freaky holding off of the body line like i was just barely like that's that's crazy to think like almost aiming off the deer and then having him do exactly what i thought he would dropped right into it and lopped the aorta off yeah like that's (laughs) so i mean it's no you know that was going to work because of your experience of shooting a lot of deer, right? It's like you read that situation, everything about that situation you factored into your decision. And it's just beautiful when it works that way. Sometimes we just easily get caught up in, you know, oh, I want to shoot a big buck or I've been seeing a big buck Mm -hmm. or whatever it may be. You know, maybe you're getting a trail camera picture of a big buck on the property you hunt and you think to yourself, well, I'm going to hold out for him. Next thing you know, you don't shoot a buck for a year or two or a deer let alone a buck yeah. or deer. Yeah. The next thing you know, you're just like, you know, you lose that experience really quickly. And that's, you know, it's just yeah. something, if I could go back in time, man, when I was a kid, I just shot so many more deer and mm-hmm. I just shot that buck that, you know, I just should have never been passing up in the first place, but I was trying to do something that, you know, I thought was, was cool or whatever. And I, yeah. I was doing something that my dad, my dad and his buddies were doing, but they had, 25 years on me you know right i didn't i didn't deserve to be you know doing that and then ultimately the deer that i you know put a scar on their shoulder because of that didn't deserve it either and i think that's more important yet so exactly be realistic with yourself out there everyone (laughs) and us yeah that's that's why i was thankful for the uh like the early 2000s when the deer population really took off at least in, mm-hmm. in Nebraska. Um, I mean, yeah, they were giving away doe tags. Like, so like one of those clips I have, I was hunting on Mike Lutz property. We're trying to yep. you know, shoot as many. I, I shot three that night, but there was like two of them back to back right there. I was like, man, I love that getting that experience. <laughs> yeah. There really is no better way to teach you how to do it. All right, everybody. Well, hopefully you enjoyed the episode. If, uh, there's anything that you guys want us to talk about in future episodes, leave us a comment love to hear your guys's good bad and ugly experiences in the comments below thanks for watching and we'll see you on the next one